Welcome to the Silver Screen Guide Podcast. Join Corbin and Alan, along with guest hosts, as they bring their love for the cinema to discuss films from every genre and decade. Learn about the history of the film, little-known facts, and insightful explorations while they enjoy discussing your favorite film. The curtain is rising and your podcast is starting. So sit back, relax, and enjoy your guide to the silver screen. Welcome listeners to the first installment in our Godzilla King Kong sort of mashup movie review series. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> something something like that. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about it. Yeah. Uh, today we are reviewing King Kong versus Godzilla. No, we no, not the brand new one. Not yet. We're building up to that. We're, we're reviewing the uh, 1963, uh, 62 version. We'll, we'll talk about yeah. it. There's technically two different versions. Uh, yeah. Well, this is your co-host Corbin. I'm Alan. So, like I said, we are building up to the brand new film, which was technically supposed to come out last year. And then it was moved to this year and then it was moved forward. So eagle-eyed viewers who look at the description below, look at the uh, upcoming schedule. Technically, we were supposed to be reviewing Kingsman, the Secret Service today. Yeah, about that. (laughs) About that. The Kingsman was pushed back to around fall of this year. So don't worry, we are going to get to those. We are just pushing that series back. We moved the Godzilla series forward in order to jumpstart it in time to review the new movie. So yeah, COVID's already wreaking havoc with the schedule, but thankfully we came prepared. Um, Yeah, so instead of Kingsman, we can just go ahead and give a little tease of what's coming up next. Instead of reviewing Kingsman here in a couple weeks, we are going to be reviewing the Taken trilogy, which I'm I'm kind <laughs> of excited for. This is the this has been a trilogy that I've been pushing Corbin to review, so I've been kind of pushing Corbin to do it because I've mm-hmm. been really curious to know what his thoughts are, especially when you get into those later sequels. So I'm glad we actually got on this on the schedule now. Yeah, so you definitely have that to look forward to in a couple weeks. We are going to be doing the 63 film, jumping to the 20, 2013, 2015 Godzilla. It's like the 10th movie that's just called mm-hmm. Godzilla. We're going to be reviewing that one. Then Kong Skull Island, taking a break with the Taken trilogy, and then rounding out the series for now with Godzilla King of the Monsters and then Godzilla versus Kong. So we have already reviewed King Kong. That's actually. Right. We reviewed that uh, for my birthday. It was, I think it was a year ago about this time. Yep. That was a year ago for my birthday pick. Um, definitely check out this year's birthday pick as well. 12 mm-hmm. Angry Men. Um, it's kind of funny because that movie came out six years before this one so that came out 57 we are returning to the 60s this movie came out in america wednesday june 26 1963 uh we have reviewed two other can't really call this a horror movie but we have reviewed psycho which came out in 60 and night of the living dead which came out in 68 so links to those reviews are in the description below and while you're down there make sure to follow us on letterbox to see what we're watching every week also, timestamps are there as well if you want to just jump straight ahead 
to what our thoughts are on the film. And also we have links to all major podcast platforms that we're on, Facebook, Twitter, official website. And also, no matter where you're listening to, make sure to leave us five stars and even a small written review really helps us get boosted in the ratings, in the rankings, so people can find the podcast more easy. So that way, Silver Screen Guide can grow. We can have a great community because we love talking about movies and we love talking about them with you. It's a great free way to support us. And if you do want to financially support us, help us keep the lights on over here. Patreon uh, link is in the description as well. That gives you great bonus content and it really does help us out. So as I was saying, this is two different versions. Okay, there's a Japanese version. Right. And there's an American Which version. Which was almost lost to time. Yeah. But then was found. It was almost lost. There is um, your guide to King Kong versus Godzilla that came out a couple days ago that came out last week. Make sure to listen to mm -hmm. that as well. That's going to give you a lot of background info that we can touch on here, but we go more in depth in your guide to the film. So make sure to listen to that if you want to know more about the background of the film. But nevertheless, Tom Montgomery is here directing the American version. The Japanese version was directed by Ishiro Honda. And um, this movie's not rated. I thought that was interesting. Uh, even though Universal Pictures picked it up for distribution here in the States. Well, unfortunately, I don't really know how well this movie did at the box office because box office numbers weren't really reported back then. I can tell you it had a budget of around $200,000. Yeah. Um, so this is what I found. All right. Um, it's, it's kind of okay. hard. <laughs> it's kind of hard to say because uh, like you mentioned, they don't really keep track of this kind of stuff. At least back in the day, it's very different for, I guess, how they used to keep track and returns. But either way, I saw a budget of $620,000, um, which would be $5.2 million today, or $12,000. What? That's crazy. Appar apparently. Um, one of those was from, like, the actual Toho Studios, like, website. Um, the other one was taken off of Wikipedia. Mm -hmm. So I don't really know who to believe. <laughs> so, hard to say. E well, yeah, that's the problem. That's the problem is because... The Japanese budget would be in mm -hmm. yen, and then when Universal took it over for distribution, they had to pay for it, and there's also American scenes added into right. it that they had to spend money on to pay the actors and the crew to shoot new scenes for the American version. But just keep this in mind, the original King Kong came out in 1933, and it had a budget of $670,000, and that was in 33. So... King Kong had been in people's minds for 30 years at this point. Yeah. And yeah, I guess it when it came out in America, it would have been close, if not, um, it would have been King Kong's 30th anniversary at that point, right? Yeah, because it came out in 33. Yeah, yeah. so it would have been about uh, 30, the 30th uh, birthday of King Kong at the time. Yeah. Now, Godzilla wasn't as old as King Kong. Godzilla, the original film that came out in 1954. Mm -hmm. So, uh, what would that be? Nine years later or nine years prior, I should say, to that release. Um, so, Godzilla hadn't been on the screen as much as uh, King Kong had or at least as prevalent per se. But nevertheless, this was kind of a big deal to see these two kind of monsters mash up. 
Um, now we had seen things like this prior, uh, with universal, which I guess it made sense. Universal took this over, mm -hmm. um, where Frankenstein meets the Wolfman, Dracula meets Frankenstein, different things like that, where they would take their own properties and put them together. Now this, uh, King Kong was still under property of RKO, but, uh, the Toho was able to, um, they were able to get the rights to use King Kong for this film. Right. I didn't know that there, that there was a big uh, rights problem when they tried to figure out who really owned all of King Kong when they were making this. But yeah, essentially, essentially, you know, Godzilla is like Japan's King Kong, you could say, especially at this time. Just a newer monster because it came out a few years before this movie instead of 30 before this movie. Yeah, that's a good point. This is very much east meets west godzilla is the titan of the east kong was more of that of the west and i gotta say it is pretty cool 2021 we are still getting these monsters even though king kong at this point is like 90 years old coming up on it and uh godzilla's pretty old as well but yeah we're still getting those and we're still going to lead up to that as well well, the American version, uh, yeah, people uh, people did not like this movie. Didn't like it. No, no. And for a long time after it released, it was like the only version you could find anywhere. Um, if, at least for a very long time, I think until uh, Criterion finally released it, the, the Japanese version, in like a box set. Yeah, I was going to... I thought I actually thought it was going to mm -hmm. be a lot easier to get my hands on the Japanese version than it actually was coming to find out you're right as far as i could tell the only way at least here in america to get your hands on a legal and good copy of the film is to buy the godzilla godzilla criterion box set which when i checked was retailing for 126 dollars i want that box set in my collection but i wasn't at this point willing to pay just to watch the japanese cut of the film that's fair that's fair <laughs> Um, IMDb rating 5.9, Metascore mm. of 40. Um, believe it or not, this is on Rotten Tomatoes. Rotten Tomato critics score of 50%. So I guess it's divisive among the critics. It sounds like it, yeah. It's split down the middle. And uh, Rotten Tomato audience score of 52%. So yeah, it's pretty much right down the middle for all the counts. Which is not very good news for the film, unfortunately. Um, I, I do know that at the time, you know, critics were slamming it back when it was released. Critics were slamming it because they had they hadn't seen the Japanese version, which is you know a pretty big difference in quality apparently um, between the, that one and the American version. Um, so it, had they you know released the same version in America, I wonder how that would have fared. Because I know it was more of like a sorry, it was more of a satirical comedy than what we ended up getting. Um, but either way, <laughs> these scores are not looking too good for the film so far. You know, the first time that these two, you know, these two big monsters are on the screen together, um, and you know, two big monsters for two big two big uh, countries at the time, not looking too great. No, and like I said. The um, original Godzilla film has a 7.6 on IMDb, 78 of mm. Metacritic. The original King Kong um, also has a 
um, 7.9 with a 90 meta score. Yeah. So they're both pretty highly regarded films. Yeah. And the first time they're together, it scores not looking too fantastic. <laughs> they're really not looking too hot, but you're right. From what I understand, the Japanese version is far more cohesive. There is a mm -hmm. lot cut out of this one. We'll talk about it here, what we think of the editing and the structuring of this American version after the spoiler jump. But it's pretty obvious just straight off the bat that this is a compromised version of the film. And uh, if you want to hear a more recent review of the film with some hosts that were able to get their hands on both cuts, I do recommend Now Playing's review of this movie because they were able to watch both versions and talk about the nuances of that. But Alan, I got to ask, it's 1963. You're perusing, you know, your local cinema. You see a poster for King Kong versus Godzilla. We know that you loved King Kong, the mm -hmm. 33 film. Maybe you've seen Godzilla. I don't know how many Americans had been able to see that movie at that point since uh, home video wasn't really much of a thing uh well it actually wasn't a thing at all as far as um mm. reruns go at the cinema or porting over for movies i don't know if godzilla was much of a pre much of a presence back then nevertheless does this pique your interest ju judging by the trailer right judging by trailer alone it, it does um because you know if i had heard about godzilla and I had seen King Kong, which we which we noted that in the a review last year. I did very much enjoy it. I would be very curious to see this. I would probably you would probably see me in the seats um, when this one came out. I'd be very curious to see what in the world are they going to do with you know our monster and Japan and Japan's monster. What you know what exactly is going to happen on screen um, with those two monsters? So I would be I would be curious. I would definitely I would most likely be there. Um, come you know its release back in 1963 and here in america at least okay so it's not 1963 it's 2021 now and you see the new trailer for the brand new movie coming out would you seek out the original film if if you didn't if i didn't make you for this or we didn't force ourselves into watching this one for the review um honestly i wasn't really planning on watching the new one unless i had to for the podcast anyways so probably not Got it. So none of it piqued your interest. I get it. <laughs> right. <laughs> so as for me, I did find it kind of hilarious. The trailer called the trailer said, see it for the thrill of a lifetime. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it. Um, but, you know, to me, it doesn't look too much out of the ordinary from monster movies of the time. I would be skeptical since I love King Kong so much and even also coming at it from a 2021 perspective, I would check this out if I hadn't before because I have a soft spot for these movies, but it doesn't look great at all. I think it looks horribly cheesy. Um, judging from my mindset nowadays, like I said back then, it looks pretty much in the mainstream. Um, so as for me, I have actually seen this movie. This isn't my first time. I watched it years ago, probably when I was around 10. I do own it on DVD. Um, I haven't really returned to it since I think this is maybe my third or fourth time seeing it. Um, I did actually a year ago when um, Now Playing was reviewing it. I returned to it never thinking that we were going to review it. But when they pushed the movie back to March, I said, hey, let's let's go back and go for it. Um, 
But yeah, I don't think you haven't seen this movie or any Godzilla movie. Is that right? I've seen, yeah, I have seen no Godzilla movie. Um, so kind of the same with the thing with King Kong. I came into King Kong not really seeing any gu- any of the King Kong movies except, except for maybe a couple of scenes mm-hmm. here and there. Um, same story here with Godzilla. I haven't seen anything from Godzilla outside of maybe a couple of scenes, if that. Well, I'm sorry. This is your introduction to Godzilla. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were talking about this before we started recording. And that was just like, yeah, I figured that, you know, a movie like this probably isn't the best place to hop in. But because it was such a, you know, a drastic change to the schedule, it really couldn't be helped. <laughs> All right, listeners, if you haven't seen the King Kong versus Godzilla, I don't know if it's streaming anywhere. I doubt it, but you can get your hands on the DVD and Blu-ray for a very reasonable price. So you're able to check it out that way um, or digitally rent it as well. If you don't want the film spoiled for you, go ahead and click pause right now. After you watch the film, come back and click play and we'll be ready to talk about it. United Nations reporter Eric Carter reports on earthquakes in Chile. This has nothing to do with the plot, really. He is able to communicate with different countries through a satellite, and he also reports on an iceberg breaking up around Japan. The UN submarine Seahawk is on the scene to check it out. Also, there are giant red berries to help with chemotherapy that were found by a Japanese scientist who works for the Pacific Pharmaceutical Company. These berries placate a, quote, mysterious god no one has ever seen on Faroe Island. Meanwhile, in Japan, we learn from the scientist and Taco, who works on the TV program, produced by the pharmaceutical company, the berry is called Soma. The natives refuse to give more than a few handfuls because of their god. Say, speaking of that god, why not find the monster because the Pacific Pharmaceutical TV show is boring and the company demands publicity? Somewhere else in Japan, brother and sister Sakurai and Fumiko are having dinner with her boyfriend Fujita. Sakurai works for Pacific Pharmaceuticals, and Fujita's company has created the strongest wire in the world, which he proves by holding himself up from falling off of their apartment balcony. Back at the UN, we check in on the Seahawk Commander Roberts, who is in the Arctic Sea. A Tokyo expert weighs in on the situation with Carter throughout the movie, and then ultimately, Carter disappears until the very end. Anyways, a group of scientists aboard the Seahawk determine it is a Chelenkov light found in nuclear reactors emanating from the iceberg. The Seahawk is drowned, and Godzilla burns it up. Yeah, um, surprise, it's Godzilla in the iceberg. Back in Japan, Fumiko is told by a neighbor that Fujito's plane crashed, but she shouldn't go looking for him in Hokkaido because that's where Godzilla is headed. Back at the UN, Dr. Arnold Johnson explains Godzilla's history. The creature may be a dinosaur cross between a T-Rex and Stegosaurus. Probably 150 million years ago, his species was created, and the reason he is returning to Japan is because he's like a salmon returning to the waters where he was born. There are Godzilla fossils there, and for your information, as a reptile, he may shy away from electricity. We weren't told this, I don't think, but um, hey, Sakurai took a ship with a new friend named Fury to Pharaoh Island. There on the island, a giant squid nearly destroys the natives. That is until Kong destroys the creature, drinks a ton of Soma, falls asleep, the natives do a little jig to worship him, and Sakurai comes up with the idea to build a giant raft to pull Kong back to Japan. Once on the ship, their goofy boss, Taco, arrives. 
He is excited to see their accomplishment. His dreams are quickly dashed, though, when the Japanese government boards their ship, declaring Kong a menace to Japan. Therefore, he is ordered by the Japanese government to be returned to Faroe Island. Back in Japan, Fujita isn't dead and didn't think to phone. Conveniently, Fumiko is taking a train to Hokkaido. Earlier, when Godzilla made landfall, he easily thwarted the military. Now he is attracted to train lights. Cut back to Japanese military officials, and they're just itching to use the atom bomb on the big lizard. After a barely escaping the train before Godzilla destroys it, Fujita finds Fumiko in a nearby ravine. Back on the boat, Kong escapes the raft, which they blow up, hoping to kill him, but it doesn't work. Flip back to UNTV, and Dr. Johnson says Kong smells the presence of an enemy, and they're going to recreate a battle from millions of years ago. The two finally come face to face an hour into the movie, but this is only a teaser. Godzilla easily scares Kong away. Thankfully, the Japanese military digs a giant pit to blow up Godzilla once he falls in, but this ultimately does nothing and Godzilla is fine. Dr. Johnson says Kong draws strength from electricity, whereas Godzilla avoids it, but in the following scene, he directly walks into it. Meanwhile, Kong sneaks up on the Tokyo at night, cut to people fleeing in the daytime. Yeah, we'll talk about it. But they bring up the atom bomb again, despite two nukes decimating Japan 20 years prior. Anyways, touchy subject. Moving on, Kong randomly grabs Kumiko off another train as they're trying to flee the city. Somewhere, our three heroes plus Taco get to the general, tell him that he has Fumiko so they can't shoot him off a short building he has climbed. Taco and Sakurai think to explode the Soma with a rocket over his head and play the native drums. I guess they recorded the native chants, so they play that on speakers. Kong falls asleep and Fumiko is magically okay. The general says bring them together at Mount Fuji, where Godzilla has been spotted because they keep losing track of him. The general hopes they'll both die fighting each other. But how to get Kong there? Well, Operation Kong consists of lifting him with wires, yes, the same ones from Fujita's company, like a marionette floating with giant balloons. Kong awakes, they drop him down, he slips and slides into Godzilla, this causes a massive earthquake and flooding. They throw rocks, pull tails, Kong is concussed, but lightning strikes his head, giving him super strength. They tumble into the ocean, Godzilla is, is gone. Kong swims back into the sea, cut back to Eric Carter, who we haven't seen forever, wishing luck to Kong as the movie comes to a complete end. Yeah, that's it. Well, good job, Corbin. It seems like you always get the. It seems like you always get the most complex plots to dissect and d somehow summarize. What is going on this year? Because first I get Tenant, mm -hmm. and now I get this. Yeah, if you if you couldn't tell, I think this movie's plot, the editing, how they shoehorn a lot of the American stuff in, is just a complete mess. Yeah, and we'll go into a bit more detail in a little bit. But first, we did at least talk about something that's positive, if you have anything that is. Because I'm, I'm curious to know what you think is positive about this movie, because I have a couple of things. Not great yeah. things, but there are a couple of things. Yeah, I tried to find something good to talk about here. Um, I think the way they hint at Godzilla in the beginning with the iceberg, and then I think possibly with like better effects, seeing Godzilla kind of like rupture out of that iceberg, I think that could be very effective. There's the hint of that there. So I appreciate they're at least trying. Um, so yeah, I, I appreciate they're trying with certain things like that in the movie. Yeah, I can agree. I mean, I haven't seen a Godzilla movie, so I didn't really know what to expect. You know, why in the world is Godzilla coming out of a <laughs> an irradiated iceberg? But 
Yeah, no, I agree. They, I think they do a pretty all right job building kind of, kind of building that suspense, you know, of these monsters and how they come together as well. And that's kind of my, one of my other things too. Probably one of my bigger positives, not super great, but it's one of my bigger positives is that, you know, when these two monsters do like start, you know, are on the move towards Tokyo, they can't be stopped. Like nothing that happens to either monster um ends up stopping their trek to go and actually meet up in tokyo so it kind of feels as if it's like you know the humans are fighting against some kind of fate right that these two monsters are going to end up together somehow you know regardless of it so it's almost like it's fateful that these two are gonna you know are gonna meet up again because they mentioned it's been like i don't know millions of years or something like that since the last time this happened um so it's kind of cool to see that i, I do kind of like that uh, i guess that idea you know that you know, nothing can stop these, you know, these monsters walking and eventually meeting, um, which could, you know, potentially cause a lot of havoc. Yeah, I mean, I think there are some effective scenes as well, um, particularly when Fumiko is drive is riding the train to Al-Qaeda, and it's kind of like nighttime, but it's not completely dark yet, and then you just mm-hmm. kind of see Godzilla coming towards the train, and then when there is that mad dash to get off the train and to run away, I was getting some vibes I was seeing used very far in the future. If you've ever seen Train to Busan, I think there was uh, some influences there as well that were taken from this movie. So there are some moments that I, I can see are tense and I can feel a little bit of that. Unfortunately, I don't think they're as effective as they could be. But mm-hmm. um, nevertheless, I, I like that there is some tense moments. And I do also like some campy stuff as well um, because I grew up watching these kind of movies. I love monster movies in general, giant monster movies. So just seeing some of this stuff is kind of fun and lighthearted for me. I don't know if you'll feel that same way, Alan. I'm curious. Yeah, there are certain elements that I that I like. And some of them aren't necessarily because, you know, that some of them are just because it's just the time, right? So, for example, it's when the tanks come out and are firing at Godzilla, you know. I've always loved the use of miniatures, so it's kind of cool to see that, you know, way, way back. Uh, have, seeing some like really old style miniatures where they were essentially like remote control cars um, uh, that were being used uh, for the tanks. So I, there are things like that that I do enjoy where it's just like, you know, there is like a miniature city or a miniature thing, right? So it, those things I do enjoy them, but not necessarily because, you know, they're effective for the movie, but more of it's just interesting to look at because that's just how they did it for the time. Yeah, and I, I kind of like the miniatures as well because it is something that was just placed in that time period. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, you know, CGI and effects and even practicals have, or actually just using the real thing had become so much better over time, but this was a way to keep the budget down. And there is something that I do find very fascinating where these are people in suits, but I do think they do sometimes make the miniature landscape around them look effective in the way that it does look scaled properly, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, we know that these are two people in an ape suit and a lizard suit fighting it out. But right. sometimes I am sucked into it and think they really are fighting on this mountain or something, or they really did crash into that building because of the scaling. And we've talked about um, scaling before uh, a lot of Christopher Nolan movies use miniatures still and use scales. Yeah. So it's kind of neat to see where some of that stuff began. 
Right. Yeah, exactly. One of the other things, too, that I at least found interesting was that, you know, this movie has a lot of pairs with it, right? Uh, you've got uh, Fumido and Fujita, um, the American and Japanese newscasters that they just kind of go back and forth between. Um, obviously, the two TV show, I guess the guys who work for the TV show who went to go grab Kong, they're usually they're together for most of the film. Uh-huh. Of course, U.S. and Japan, and obviously, you know, Kong versus and Kong and Kong and Kong and Godzilla. So, I mean, there are a lot of use of pairs in this movie. Um, I mean, obviously, most of it is you know kind of you know somewhat referencing the U.S. and Japan um, like relations at the time um, when this was released. But I just find that interesting that there are a lot of pairs that are being used in the story. Yeah, it does help us at least kind of section things off in this movie because there's quite a few characters and there's a lot that's going on. The movie jumps Mm. around a lot. So at least we're able to kind of latch on and identify with the characters, kind of their sections and plots. So, yeah, I I agree with that as well. And it kind of Mm -hmm. all comes together. Um, The one thing that I did want to say is that you mentioned why was Godzilla in the ice? Well, Mild spoiler, I guess, for the end of Godzilla Raids again, which is the second one. This is the third Godzilla movie. In the second one, mm-hmm. he's buried in ice in the end. Right. Okay. Yeah, I did read that. So, yeah, I, I kind of figured that was the case, but that was after the fact. I already watched the movie. I was like, why in the world is Godzilla in ice when I was first wa- when I was first <laughs> watching this? Yeah, they don't really do what um, a lot of movies do nowadays. Um, like with Avengers and things mm-hmm. like that. Whereas if you haven't seen the 20 movies previously, you can still enjoy this one. Right. I would say that you still can enjoy these characters because um, there's no continuity here as far as King Kong is concerned. Um, because, spoiler alert, Kong dies at the end. Also, spoiler alert, Godzilla dies at the end of the first one. So this is a different Godzilla. Mm-hmm. But nevertheless, it does kind of give them a clean slate while um japanese audiences would probably more so understand where why godzilla is frozen in ice and whatnot right but nevertheless this movie doesn't really follow much continuity and it's really not about that um something we haven't talked about is i do think this movie can be funny at times sometimes for the wrong reasons but sometimes it is genuinely funny <laughs> sometimes for the wrong reasons yeah uh it's unintentionally funny it seems like mm-hmm. from what i understand I think you brought this up earlier, Alan, the Japanese version, what I've heard is far more like satirical and funny. Right. Right. So that's probably where we you're getting it from get, then. Yeah. We do get bits and pieces of that still in here. Um, we, we do hear the, this is dubbed. Unfortunately, I, I find the dubbing to be pretty bad. Yeah. We'll talk about it in, de- in detail a bit. <laughs> in a bit. Um, you know, I thought it was kind of funny when, the tanks are originally firing at Godzilla mm-hmm. and then they realize it doesn't work. So we get a shot of them driving back into the bunker Yep, <laughs> and we get um, the crew searching on Pharaoh Island and their uh, guide is attacked by a giant lizard, which he just chucks off into the brush. Yep. <laughs> and um, Taco, their boss, he seems like a very comical character in general. And of course, I can't help but laugh a little bit when the two monsters duke it out and King Kong gets this big concussion Mm -hmm. and he grabs Godzilla by the tail and just kind of things like that. He gets his face gets zapped by lightning, which gives him super strength. It's I will say this movie is only an hour and a half long. 
I yeah, think there it, it is kind of long in the tooth in some moments, but at least there is some kind of comedical aspects that uh, kind of keep my interest going. Right. I would love to see what the Japanese version is like, because if it rides more on that, you know, comedy angle, you know, I'd love to see what exactly is different. Like what, you know, what parts they actually made, what more, more we're missing from the American version that, you know, we don't have. Yeah. And uh, there also is the giant octopus scene 30 minutes in. Right. That was always memorable for me. That one just kind of, uh, even though I hadn't seen the movie in a long time, I remembered that. And especially because looking ahead in Kong Skull Island, he does fight a giant octopus, uh, which I made me realize that was a reference. We'll talk about that movie here in a few weeks. Mm -hmm. But I do feel like they kind of favor Godzilla a little bit more in this movie than Kong because we get to see Godzilla in action 15 minutes in. And I feel like we see a bit more of him than Kong. Kong is doesn't do a whole lot, it seems like, in this movie. Yeah, you're right. He really doesn't start doing things until, uh, I think, I guess until he reaches mainland. Then he starts actually doing things. The whole, most of the time, it's just him if you're sleeping um, or he's not really on screen. Okay, do you have anything else positive to say? Because I'm, I'm ready to, to get negative. <laughs> not much. Um, I've kind of stretched to even give the positives that I did give. So, yeah. Okay. One of the things that I found disappointing and shocking, honestly, just truly shocking, I guess, is the score in this movie <laughs> yeah. is directly, yeah. well, it's directly ripped from Creature from the Black Lagoon, which is a universal property. I haven't seen it, so I wouldn't have noticed that. I'll take your word for it, though. I love Creature from the Black Lagoon. I thought, why does this music sound familiar? That's because Universal just pulled it, pulled this uh, score off of that movie and place it in this movie, which is really strange, honestly. I think the reason it doesn't work in this movie is that because it wasn't made for this movie. I think it's actually very effective in Creature from the Black Lagoon. I like the score, mm -hmm. but within the context of the movie it was made for, not this movie. Right, and it's also kind of interesting because, you know, King Kong, the original one, was regarded for, you know, its use of music, especially back in 1933. Um, so when mm -hmm. he's brought back on screen, um, you know, 30 years after that original film, um, obviously that wasn't the last time he was on screen was when back in 33, but it's interesting that the music then, or the music for this film is eh, kind of, uh, not great. All things considered, um, obviously since there wasn't original music for the film, from what you're saying, it, that would make sense as to why it doesn't necessarily feel like it fits all the way since it, uh, was made for something else. I'm also very disappointed with the visual effects in this movie. I'm not talking about miniatures or anything like that. It looks like they're using some kind of projection. Um, it looks really bad, especially during the giant octopus scene. Mm -hmm. I, I will use the word atrocious. There's this really ugly blue outline on everything and the visual effects and what they're able to achieve in the 33 King Kong with um, how they would project tiny screens onto miniature sets. That was extremely impressive. It's 30 years later, and I find a lot of these visual effects to be poor. Yeah, I think part of that is because it is in color, and King Kong, the original, was not in color, so they at least got away with it a little bit, because if it wasn't if it was in color, you know, I would wonder what, um, if it would, the same thing would happen in, in the 33 King Kong. But because it's in black and white, it looks way better when they do when they do those special effects, like when Kong is grabbing the, the tree trunk and is moving it back and forth or whatever. 
Um, I think like that in that original film look good because it's they have they can at least you know they filmed that in black and white. This one a uh, bit of a different story because yeah you're right they're they do use a lot of what looks to be compositing um, where you would film two different like two different scenes um, and then just kind of put them together like a great example is that octopus scene. There are a lot of people in the foreground um, that have this really weird blue hue to them. And everything in like the background is like, you know, it's not that way. So it, it you could really tell um, getting those, the foreground composite those you know, it does stand out a lot. And of course, whenever they move mm -hmm. the camera, you know, the, the, the things that's been composited onto it don't move at all. So it really does not look <laughs> great when they do something like that, where they actually start moving the camera. So I think part of it is because obviously it's a very new tech. It's a much newer technology that has an age or they don't have the same, you know, uh, technology that we do, but you're right. It I, that can't you know that does not look very good, um, especially when you know they're moving the camera and things are stationary while that's happening. You know that kind of gives it away that it is very much a special effect. I also found the audio mixing in this movie to be terrible as well. Um, there's just so much, and I'm not even speaking about the dub, but as far as sound effects go and all things of that of that kind um just this movie just doesn't come together very well especially because i'm so used to that 33 king kong mm -hmm. and what it was able to do 30 years before that and it brought things together in such an impressive way and this movie just is so clunky and i'm going to attribute a lot of the problems to this american version which makes a lot of bad choices um speaking of bad choices the whole un type of shoehorned in subplot that's not in the japanese version oh really mm -mm. that's no that was filmed interesting and inserted exclusively for american audiences and it's bad that's so interesting i was, would have sworn that you know it i wouldn't have i wouldn't have guessed that at all that's interesting mm -hmm. huh because yeah pretty much all of the the lines from the japanese actors are all you know dubbed and it's not very good. <laughs> um, I would have, I would have imagined that you know the stuff from at least from the UN was both uh, both parties were filming that. So that's interesting. That's news to me. No, and you know they still do this kind of thing today. My most recent example that I can think of is when Iron Man three came out. They created exclusive. Chinese scenes for the Chinese audience mm -hmm. in China, and that was never in the U.S. theatrical cut. Uh, I don't know why they do this kind of stuff. To me, this is extremely pandering. It's also because we talked about American audiences probably weren't as up on Godzilla as they had a familiarity at the very least right. with King Kong. And so there is a lot of explaining, a lot of spoon feeding. It's wickedly boring to start a movie like this off with a news program. And right. because they think there's so much about the Japanese version that American audiences probably won't understand, it comes across really clunky with all this exposition. Um, I mean, I'm... I'm experiencing whiplash here in the beginning because they're jumping around to the submarine in the Arctic. And then all of a sudden he's just randomly telling us about these giant red berries 
to give us some sort of an introduction mm -hmm. so we're not completely lost when it jumps into the Japanese version. To me, it just shows they don't trust uh, the American audience at all with this plot. And my biggest thing, too, is that this also goes completely along with that, is there are so many characters in the story. Like I mentioned earlier that I, while I do like how they, you know, they, a lot of characters have like pairs, um, at the same time, you know, there isn't, they aren't really ever well defined and there really isn't a main character of the story. Um, it's just like, well, things just happen, right? Um, so with the editing being that as it is, it becomes kind of hard to understand, okay, this is this person, like this is the, you know, the two guys who are working for the TV show for the guy that we saw earlier in the, in the restaurant and they're going to get King Kong. And you know, I, I fuck, I found myself reminding myself who these people are whenever they came on screen and they only be there for like mm -hmm. a few minutes. Um, and then they move on to something else. I had to remind myself, you know, okay, these are who these people are. This is, you know. Fumita and Fujita, and they're doing these kinds of things. So there are a lot of characters in the story that, you know, only serve like one purpose. And when the, when the movie is so chopped up like this, they just kind of go back and forth and back and forth between several different scenes. It does become very whiplash inducing for, for me, at least for a good majority of the film. Yeah. And they actually did this with the first Godzilla film and Godzilla raids again. They did create American cuts of that movie. From what I understand, they're vastly inferior. They are really messed up and strange. Mm -hmm. And I would say the same thing with this one as well. And the reason we don't really know these characters is not because we're not paying attention. It's because their character arcs and even just basic setups are cut out mm -hmm. um, from this version. Um, at least from what I understand, the Japanese version is far more cohesive. I mean, yeah, I'm really lost who these two guys are, who Fujita, Sakurai, and Fumiko are in the apartment. And then all of a sudden, Taco is saying, send someone to Pharaoh Island, which just happens to be Sakurai and Furi. And I mean, that just seemed wildly random and out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, Fujita's plane crashed. And yeah, it's really confusing. And it doesn't help that we have to keep cutting back to the UN so right. we can have our daily dose of exposition or whatever. Um, yeah, I will also say I, I find a lot of the stuff on Faroe Island to be kind of tedious because it's also really weird that all of these natives are in black makeup. They're just all Japanese people. Yeah. It's a bit weird. <laughs> it's a bit weird. Yeah. Um, and, you know, uh, I think Kong looks pretty bad in this movie. He looks nothing like he did in the or other movie, the original. Right. And the reason, at least for me, the good reason why is because at least Kong in that 33 version, he was at least somewhat expressive, right? Like they did, you know, they like went out of their way to animate his face and to make him, you know, appear, you know, a, a bit more animated and more friendly at times, right? They, they went out of their way to do that. And this one, it's pretty much a static face for most of it. Like there are times where you feel like, oh, he's sad. Like when he loses, like when he retreats from the first fight with, uh, between him and Godzilla, um, and he gets burned. He like, you see him like hang his head and he like mopes away, right? We've seen in his body language, Sometimes, but for the most part, the costume that they have is does doesn't look very good. And Rui does take away from the 33 film because 
you know, in the 33 film, he was very expressive and stuff. But we don't really get any of that here, which is, at least for me, at least that was where I was like, King Kong does not look good in this movie. Yeah, um, I think Godzilla looks fine for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, Kong, on the other hand, looks really shabby yeah. <laughs> in this silly ape suit. And when we do get expressions of his face, it's some really ugly looking puppet. Mm-hmm. Um, there is uh, there is kind of a pseudo sequel to this film. It's called um, King Kong Escapes. Gosh, I would be curious to know what you think of that movie, Alan, because you think this movie's crazy? Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, the other one is just bug nuts, and Godzilla looks really... Di- I mean, Kong looks... Godzilla's not in it. Kong's really different and strange in that as well. Mm, I'm um, curious now. Yeah. Uh, it's it's on my Plex. Huh. Uh, you can watch it. <laughs> I might just. I might but just do that. I do want to know what you think, because I remember seeing this movie a year ago, so I kind of knew what to expect. The first fight between the two monsters doesn't happen until 55 minutes into the movie. I, and there's not much time left. I got to know, what are you thinking throughout the movie? And you're like, are you thinking, when are they going to get start fighting each other? See, I, I guess it, I don't know. Because I guess when they did start fighting, I figured that was probably close to the halfway point. Um, until, of course, I checked the time and it wasn't that way. Um, I guess because we was so whiplash inducing, because it just kept going back and forth between certain scenes, you know, I at least had something to try to keep track of. Um, but you're right. It, they do take a long time to pull out these monsters and finally get them together. And then, then the first thing they fight, it lasts for maybe all of uh, like a minute or two. And mm-hmm. that's it. Yeah. And King Kong walks <laughs> away so sad. And it's just like, oh, all right, I guess. So, yeah. yeah. So I'm getting underwhelmed from, yeah. your, from what you're saying. I very, yeah. Yeah, I gotta say it's really lame. Um, if like I mentioned earlier, I think Godzilla has a little bit more tension to his plot because he is ever increasingly moving into Japan, wreaking havoc, and sooner or later he will catch up with these characters and put them in peril. Mm-hmm. Whereas Kong, you know, doesn't seem to have much to do because half of his arc is like laying on this raft which they end up blowing up. Right. And then he instinctively wants to go fight Godzilla. And they can't think of anything original for him to do, so they just crib off of the original film. He has to magically grab Fumiko, and they put him to sleep in a really kind of silly way. Yep. And, yeah, their um, first fight, I think, is really lame. And... The second fight, which is the final fight, is an hour and 20 minutes in. Mm -hmm. And I think it's almost so bad it's good because I find it to be just downright hilarious for most of it. I know that the actors that were in the suits, they pretty much did all of their own choreography, which Mm. (laughs) only kind of just adds to (laughs) that. because Yeah, because it is just really, you're right. I I think I'm with you on that. Uh, It is kind of just so bad that it's good, right? And mm-hmm. it's it's just kind of funny, especially when you get towards the ending of the fight, right before King Kong like has this big breakout moment. You know, all of a sudden, just out of nowhere comes this lightning storm that is there only to strike Godzilla and then just disappears, right? Yeah. So you know that only for, at least for me that was when I was like, okay, that's actually that's actually pretty funny. Um, I was getting back into it, but I gotta say, you know, it 
while it does have its magic for you know its first few minutes, it does start to drag, especially since it goes on for you know, pretty much ten minutes nonstop. Yeah. It just kind of yeah. kind of starts to drag together after a while. <laughs> yeah. Um. Do you know why Kong? Aside from what the movie tells you, do you know the backstory behind why Kong it gets lightning in the face? No. Okay. So the original script and premise for this movie was frankenstein versus godzilla oh yeah no that i did know i i guess i didn't yeah. attribute so that okay that makes a bit more sense then <laughs> yep that's a holdover from the other script gotcha. so they just kept the idea <laughs> i gotcha oh uh, yeah i i did read that i i just didn't put the pieces together <laughs> yep it's utterly ridiculous it is actually a holdover from that original concept gotcha and you know it is kind of funny because there's lots of rock throwing tail grabbing when mm -hmm. Kong concusses himself. I'm just laughing. Uh, Godzilla tries to bury him like poop. There is actually mm -hmm. a shot of stop motion, which is kind of cool. Yeah, like I think it was like um, one shot of stop motion. And I was sad that it was also only one. Yeah, it was kind of neat and it's really quick. Um, Godzilla, Kong stuffs a tree into Godzilla's mouth. Mm -hmm. And then I just started cracking up when it just becomes a cacophony of noises, like ch like a child banging on a piano. Yep. When these two are just going at it and the, the sound mix just has a heyday. It's crazy. Yep. Yep. <laughs> now, I did want to address something real quick. There is actually a myth of two endings of this film, that two endings existed. I did hear this, yeah. One ending that um, Godzilla wins, and of course the one that was released, which was that King Kong wins. Yeah. Yeah, so originally, supposedly, the Japanese cut, as you said, had Godzilla winning, but they changed it for the Americans. And the reason that this myth persisted for so long is because as we brought up, and as you brought up at the beginning, Alan, there was no Japanese cut to watch. Mm-hmm. So you just couldn't watch it until finally both cuts came out on home video and people watched it and they're like, oh, well, it's, yeah, it's the same where um, I do believe there is a Godzilla roar that's not in this one, uh, the American one, but at the very least, it's the same. Godzilla goes into the ocean, Kong wades off. That's the end. I got to know, are you satisfied are you disappointed or are you your expectations weren't anywhere near those points and you're just like yeah like i guess that's just how it ends um so i guess i would like to know what my thoughts would be if i had the context of godzilla coming into this since i don't i'm just like okay well whatever i guess <laughs> when <laughs> kong kind of just walks off into the sunset essentially um mm -hmm. yeah that's that's those are my feelings because at that point i'm just at that point the fight had gone on for so long for me i'm just like all right whatever so yeah seeing king kong just emerge from the water godzilla is nowhere to be found it's just kong and he just kind of wanders off into the sunset i'm just like well that's about right i guess yeah oh dear <laughs> well alan do you have anything left to say about this movie no not not really in fact i i didn't really have much to say just to begin with um so <laughs> yeah yeah despite my plot summary being pretty dense the film overall is very surface level very bland and it's a very bland and straightforward movie that mm -hmm. you can throw on for 90 minutes and yeah you really don't need to this is not a movie you need to pay close attention to i would right. say to, to exactly. catch what's going on exactly well alan what is your rating and recommendation for King Kong versus Godzilla. 
Well, I've got to say, I have. I, I can honestly say, I don't think I've ever really seen a movie like this. Um, uh, this being my first, you know, foray into the Godzilla universe, um, as you said, Corbin, probably not the best way of going in, but uh, I had no, I really had didn't have much of a choice. Um, but that all being said, is Godzilla or is King Kong versus Godzilla? even a good film uh, not really <laughs> it has some interesting aspects to it um like i do like its miniature work i do like you know that what we do see is all practical effects right you know again this is also a movie i have not ever really ever seen before um so there are things aesthetically that i do enjoy but for the most part this story and again this is only for the american version um this is kind of a very convoluted mo movie. And like I said, I don't really know when I, when I finished it, I was like, I don't really know what I'm supposed to say about this. I, I feel like I was almost just making up stuff just for the, the things that I liked about it, just as something to say. Um, but at the end of the day, I'll probably return to it just because it's a classic and it's just kind of silly and cheesy, but um, it's not one that I think um, is very good. So Probably, I'm going to say it's probably a uh, three out of 10. I'm going to say a, a, I would not recommend, um, but I do think that it's one that is interesting since I haven't had any context with Godzilla before this. King Kong versus Godzilla is a complete mess. At least the American version is. The UN explainers are painfully shoehorned in. The English dubbing is atrocious. The editing is whiplash-inducing. Uh, this movie is just utter crap. <laughs> there is a tiny bit of fun to be had watching these monsters duke it out in a cheesy retro way. Unfortunately, we have to go along with this nonsensical human plot that is utterly worthless. We don't give a care about these characters. And you know what? I'm pretty unhappy their actual fight is the final 10 minutes of this movie. If you have to see it, listeners, skip the first 80 minutes and check out the fight on YouTube. You all know how much how I love King Kong, and I have a true appreciation of the Japanese Godzilla films, most of which I have seen in my youth. This really isn't worth your time. This American version, which is the widest released cut available, is an abomination. King Kong vs. Godzilla receives two stars out of ten with a severe not recommend. Oh, man. <laughs> you know, I think... Because I have seen this movie two or three times now. My guess is, <laughs> Alan, pretty shortly after this, you won't remember much of this plot because, or this movie at all. It's just not memorable. I'm going to be honest with you, Corbin. Before we started re recording this, um, I had to like look through my notes to remind <laughs> myself what happened because there, and when you gave your applause to me, it's like, oh yeah, of course, I forgot about that. Yeah. Uh, like with The Wire. I totally forgot that The Wire was like, I knew that it was there, but I forgot how it came back. And so mm -hmm. when you brought up the plot, he's like, of course, duh. So, yeah, we'll see if I remember it in a couple of days or a couple of hours from now. Yeah, and it is one that since I had just returned to it a year ago, it was too soon. I'm like, oh, gosh, mm. if I ever return <laughs> to this movie again, it's going to be probably to watch it with my son someday when he's mm -hmm. old enough to kind of latch on to it. Uh Gosh, so do I Do I even have to ask if this is a pickup or pass? Probably not, but it, it could be, but probably not. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to keep a hold of my DVD if I didn't own it beforehand. I would probably pick it up just to have it in my collection, but it would have to be like for a dollar or something. It'd have mm -hmm. to be super cheap. 
Yeah. Well, clearly we don't recommend this movie at all, but are there any other film or TV shows that you would recommend? See, this is kind of a hard one because I, like I mentioned, I haven't really seen a Godzilla movie in, so the only thing I can think of is the 1933 King Kong, which is much better than this um, and does justice to Kong way more than this film would. So I would like to recommend the original Godzilla, but I haven't seen it yet. Um, although I hear it's, from what I understand, it's not even close to this. Um, so... Yeah, my recommendation is that original King Kong. Um, that's for me. Yeah, I'm going to also recommend the original Japanese Godzilla film. And, of course, I'm recommending King Kong. Go ahead and check out our review of that in the description. Um, you know what? I'm. It's kind of off the wall, but I am actually going to recommend Freddy vs. Jason. Okay. It's another movie that I feel like it was more of a modern day example of this. No, I understand Freddy and Jason aren't for everyone. That's definitely not for kids. But it mm -hmm. is pulling in some of the same tropes here where it's got some cheesy humor. It has some of the duking out we want to see as well. I feel like the story is better. And I feel like it's bringing in the mythos of these two characters in a much more satisfactory way. So I understand that movie's not really very good, but I had fun watching it. So if you want to see two kind of monsters or bad guys or whatever, you see Duke it out, then yeah, we'll head and watch that movie. Now, if you haven't seen um, any of the other movies attached to it, probably won't make much sense to you. <laughs> so there's kind of a <laughs> yeah. big bar to go with that one. But nevertheless, this is not the last we are seeing of these two characters. So this movie was, from what I understand, a box office success. I don't have the I don't really have the numbers for you like we said earlier in the podcast mm -hmm. it's not there. But nevertheless, it did well enough in Japan uh, that Toho Studios planned to produce a sequel titled Continuation King Kong versus Godzilla. I don't that's what it said on Wikipedia. I don't mm -hmm. know. The project was canceled, so doesn't matter anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean it, it would make sense to make a sequel because I know that this was like boy it was like the most attended Godzilla film of the time mm -hmm. um, or ever. Yeah. So it would make sense to go for a sequel, but yeah. They did try to revive the Frankenstein versus Godzilla idea in 1963. Um, ultimately, Toho rejected the script and instead they matched Mothra against Godzilla in Mothra versus Godzilla. And that really began a formula where kaijus from past Toho films, because Mothra had already had its own standalone movie, they decided from there on out, they would match up their kaiju monsters and just throw them into the franchise. That's why there's like 30 Godzilla versus something movies. Mm -hmm. Toho also had the idea of producing a TV series around this version of King Kong, but they were refused by RKO. Um, nevertheless, Toho, as I just brought up a little bit ago, Alan... They would handle the character one more time in 1967 to help Rankin and Bass. Yes, the Rankin and Bass co-produced their film King Kong Escapes, uh, which was mm. loosely based on a cartoon series Rankin and Bass had produced. I've seen it. Go to Letterboxd. Check out my rating. I probably wrote up a little bit of thoughts on it. It's mm. crazy. And from what I remember, it's actually a little bit more enjoyable than this one because it is kind of like a James Bond plot. It's like, what if Dr. No met King Kong? It's really kind of strange. Interesting. 
So not that long ago in our lifetime in 1992 to coincide with the uh, 60th anniversary of Toho, they expressed interest in remaking the film, actually. Okay. But the producer Tomoyuki Tanaka stated that obtaining the rights to King Kong proved difficult once again. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> so what they're going to do was produce Godzilla versus Mechanicong. Mechanicong is the villain in King Kong Escapes, in case you're wondering. But the effects director Koichi Kawada confirmed that obtaining the likeness the likeness of King Kong also proved difficult. Makes sense. So ultimately, Mechanicong was replaced by Mechagodzilla. And uh, ultimately, that developed into Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla 2 in 1993. But as you know, why we're here in the first place in 2015, Legendary Entertainment, along with Warner Brothers, announced plans for a Godzilla versus Kong film of their own which had is like nothing to do with this movie. So the question after the show is, is King Kong versus Godzilla so bad it's good or so bad it's just bad? I'm, I'm pretty curious, listeners, what you think. That's a good question. <laughs> well, listeners, we will be coming back next week with Godzilla. And if you're wondering which one, because yeah, there's um, that awful Matthew Broderick one, the 54 one. We're reviewing the 2014 version directed by Gareth Edwards. Also starring Elizabeth Olsen, who is in WandaVision, and Brian Cranston, Ken Watanabe. There's a really good cast in this movie coming up, so I'm actually pretty excited to see these stars. Yeah, I am too, because this is one where I heard good things when it came out. Um, haven't seen it still. Um, so I'm curious to know I guess I'm curious to know what it's like. Maybe by that time I'll have watched the original Godzilla. We'll see. Hopefully I have time to do that. But I'm curious. I'm really curious to return to this one as well. But Alan, thanks for joining me. Sure thing. All right, listeners, we will see you next week with Godzilla. Hey listeners, it's Corbin. Don't forget to check out the exciting links in the description below that will connect you with more great movie reviews for your listening pleasure and our YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter page. And of course, our official website where you can read great articles and sign up for our free weekly newsletter. Also, if you want exclusive bonus content such as extra movie reviews, movie commentaries, and our thoughts on the latest movie news and trailers, plus more, then check out our Patreon page. It's a great way to help keep this show free, and it gives you great content that's yours to keep. All of that and more is found in the description below. Don't forget to subscribe whether you're on YouTube, Apple, Google, or Stitcher, or your favorite podcast service. And while you're at it, please leave us a five-star review so other movie lovers can more easily find our podcast. We love talking about movies, and we love talking about them with you. So don't forget to share with your friends and family, and we'll see you next week, listeners. The Silver Screen Guide podcast is edited and produced by Alan and Corbin. Intro and outro music is created by Thomas Rankin. 
The thoughts and opinions herein expressed are those of the individual and do not necessarily represent those held by Silver Screen Guide. Silver Screen Guide is not affiliated with any company or individual involved with the creation of this movie or TV show. No portion of the podcast may be used without express written permission from Silver Screen Guide.